The Tough Love and Second Chances podcast is written and produced by Tony Bennett on behalf of Edgar and reveals remarkable stories of those who refuse to be defined by their disability. The power of the human spirit shines through with examples of how hope, courage, and the opportunity to express oneself through the game of golf makes for a combination that can improve and even save lives. Many, the so-called Saturday job was part of growing up. In some cultures, a weekend job indicated the transition from childhood to adolescence, a rite of passage, if you will. For Christian Hamilton, it was the first step in a career that has taken him on a path from filling up the drinks fridge at Centenary Park Golf Club to leading the inclusion strategy for Golf Australia. There has been the occasional waypoint and crossroads along his journey and yet he stayed true to the values of hard work, determination, partnerships, teamwork and family. It was Dad Peter that first put a club in Christian's hands. Um, we uh, had a nice little holiday house for about two hours sort of east of Melbourne, a um, little country course called Newry Golf Club. Um, so to sort of paint a bit of a picture, it's a 18-hole uh, golf course, that completely volunteer run. Um, honesty box out the front, it'll take the green fee. Brilliant. I think my membership fee that year was uh, $25 um, as a junior, and yeah, mum and dad would just drop me off at the... Uh, at the golf club in the morning, you know, at 7.30 in the morning, probably pick me up at 5, 5 p.m. at night. So I'd play as many holes as I possibly could. No practice fairway, but just play holes. Uh, but probably, yeah, the, the, the early starts with Dad and, and a really good friend of his, Boots, we called him. Um, yeah, sort of tagging along with them with a rusty old golf club that was my nana's. And, um, yeah, the, those first couple of good shots, obviously, like everyone, sort of hooks you into the golf bug and went from there. Golfer got into Christian's heart. He loved the game. At just 13 years of age, opportunity knocked and Christian had the confidence to speak up, offer his services to two enterprising golf professionals who would later become father figures. Christian smiles as he recalls. Yeah, these two professionals really took me under their wing um, and in the end turned out to be real father figures for me as well. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Funny story, actually, the, the way I actually got my first job in the golf industry was when I was 13. It was a stinking hot day and um, I was still there. It was probably 40 degrees and I was probably the only person on the golf course still putting out, out the front. And I distinctly re remember that um, Steve Montgomery and Warren Young, the two professionals at Centenary Park, were filling the drinks fridge. And um, I actually, tongue-in-cheek, just said to Steve, I said, mate, you need to get... You should have a young young fellow that does that for you and he actually said well the drinks are out the back you can start now and sort of that's where my uh, work career started um, filling drink fridges pushing a vacuum cleaner around the floor and um, yeah I suppose just general duties picking up range balls etc. Warren and Steve became great role models and further strengthened Christian's beliefs in putting in the effort. Yeah, I suppose looking to those guys as real strong role models for me and I, I saw um, you know, I think it's a game where you put a bit in, you get a lot out. And um, I could see that I was starting to really improve. Um, and look, I think, yeah, to those guys, yeah, as I said, Warren Young and Steve Montgomery, they basically said to me, you know, once I was hooked, it said, well, you've got to work hard. Um, 
Warren in particular, you know, taught me the value of how hard you've got to work um, to improve. And, um, you know, there's long days up on the practice fairway, but I was, as I said, I, I started to improve rapidly. Um, got my first handicap at 11. Um, that quickly changed, and um, I suppose from there the discussions turned around, well, OK, you've got to pass your VCE, which is our Year 12 equivalent in Australia. And uh, as soon as I finished school, it was... Bang, the application goes into the PGA to join the academy program in, what was it, 98 at that time. Um, Initial professional training around the world looks broadly the same. Long hours, often 40 or more, assignment work, practical and theoretical testing, and of course, keeping up a low scoring average. Back then, the it was still a scoring average that you had to, throughout the year, that you had to actually um, achieve. Um, but uh, I was probably not quite as... I wasn't quite there with my scoring average, so I just do the, the playing test, and I distinctly re remember, the, I suppose, the pain of missing out the year before and, um, and just not wanting to go through that again. So um, managed to breeze through the playing test the following year. Um, but surprisingly, um, I suppose, we still had to sit an interview uh, at that stage, and I remember yeah, sitting that interview in front of a panel of, say, another four PGA members who still... Um, who I had very highly, uh, I suppose, very high regards for. Um, and uh, to be honest, I got grilled in that, in that meeting. I was told... You do. Yeah, you do. I was just told, look, you know, the playing average isn't... isn't I'm not going to make the, the playing average if I keep playing the way that I'm doing. And I basically said, how are you going to fix it? And like any answer, it's just hard work. And, uh, yeah, managed to uh, get through my traineeship, I would say, fairly easily. It's a pretty tough grind, to be honest. It's three years the, the program in Australia is three years of um, workplace placement yep. 38 hours a week in the shop very low wage I think I took home about $319.20 I think it was um, it is a tough grind and um, I suppose it has to be you know it's um, it's I think to hold the, the PGA rondelle or the, the, to have that um, to, to join the, the association it's not something they just give out and, um, and I think that's probably the Probably the, one of the most precious things that I hold dear to me is being a PGA member and um, and being recognised as a as an industry expert um, as a as a member and um, yeah I think yeah it's just fantastic uh, it's been a fantastic journey for me being a PGA member and working up through the ranks. But once qualified, Christian tried his hand at playing the game for a living. Glamorous? Not really. Still had stars in my eyes, Tony, about uh, forging a career out of playing, like anyone does. Yep. Um, Rose tinted glasses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tins of baked beans and spaghetti are about a dollar each in, a, in Australia. And um, yeah, I, th I think when you're on the road playing pro am golf, as it is here in Australia, and there was plenty of pro ams to play, um, most of your prize money went into uh, putting petrol in the tank and getting right. to the next event um, and billeting and doing things uh, on the cheap. Every year, hundreds if not thousands of professionals find that their dream of playing the game for a living, well, it's just out of reach. It's at these crossroads that 99% of all professionals find themselves, turn one way and find a job away from golf, carry straight on and see what will happen in the next few tournaments, or turn the other way and forge a career as a golf club professional, a coach, or get into the administration or management of the game. Um, for me, yeah, I, I didn't want to go through 
I suppose, and, and get through to a sort of mid-age and, and not really have anything behind me. And I think it was one of the best things, best decisions I made. You, 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 you can't do both. You can't forge a career in management and also try and play at the same time. Um, so, yeah, I made a conscious decision back probably, uh, let's say, was it 15 years ago that... Um, that, uh, that I would work into a club management role and um, I did that, I suppose, shortly after. I had a couple of teaching jobs. A good friend of mine, Stuart Leong, who was the Australian Teacher of the Year a few years ago, um, he was the head teaching professional at Sandhurst and I, I still remember we're good friends to this day and I remember hounding Stuart and saying, loving the work that you're doing, I want to come in and just work, work with you. Just basically let me in and just let me just do a little bit of teaching um, so after I suppose handing him enough I ended up doing a little bit of work with him at Sandhurst and got my foot in the door in the shop and I suppose I just tried to take on as much as I possibly could from an operations perspective and um, from there it said well yeah the general manager at the time well Christian you know you're doing a great job here how about coming on full time and from there it was just um, yeah so I think if you can demonstrate your worth in the business and don't expect that opportunities just come. You've got to work hard for them and show your value in the business. That was always sort of philosophy that you do have to demonstrate your value to get those opportunities. Um, they would come and they certainly did and I had 10 fantastic years at Sandhurst and being the home of the PJ of Australia, I suppose I saw some, some opportunities to get into... Uh, to get into working with the academy and working with them. And he had been running some programs with an organisation called Limbs for Life, where he would run peer support programs, do some coaching, and he fell in love with that side of the game. Christian thought that there was a great opportunity for the sport and so started to talk to the other trainee professionals about inclusive coaching and working with athletes with a disability. I suppose I started to get involved in the trainee schools, um, just talking about my own experiences um, and uh, doing some practical coaching out on the practice field with these trainees. It wasn't until we drew inspiration from what we saw over in Europe, the work that Craig Thomas was actually doing in particular with um, ISPS Hander with the Academy program that um, I think things really started to ramp up. Uh, the opportunities to really do a lot more started to present. Coaching golfers with a disability has changed Christian's life. He recognises that everyone is different and that he has to build relationships with his students. Christian recalls seeing a quote over the desk of Hank Haney, the former coach of Tiger Woods, which simply stated, Nobody cares what you know until they know how much you care. So you can be the best coach in the world, but if you don't build that relationship, and say and go on that journey with that player um, it won't last and I think one of the first things that I do is I'll sit down with a player and say well yes I'm here to try and improve your golf but first of all I want to know who who you are as a person what drives you what do you want to get out of the game do you want to just be a participant do you want to have a, a pathway do you want to be a fan is it a non-playing role do you just want to turn up? Do you want to socially connect with others? So I think that's something that the modern day coach needs to, it's not all about ball flight, you know, it's not all about track man numbers and everything, it's about connecting with people. And 
In his current role, Christian has been able to build meaningful partnerships and has developed a team that supports the growth of golf for the disabled. His commitment to teamwork has never been more in focus than when hosting the 2018 Australian All Abilities Championships. Golf Australia had made the far-reaching decision to include golfers with disability in the same field as the Australian PGA Tour players at the Emirates Australian Open. This decision required extraordinary levels of teamwork and the buy-in of all partners across every strand of Golf Australia. Putting 12 players with disability competing in the AAAC at the same time as the Aussie Open over the same course from the same tees would prove to be groundbreaking. There's never a moment at Golf Australia where someone turns around and says, no, I, you know, I can't do that or it's not my thing, I don't do that. Um, we're, we're all here, we get the job done, we all work together, but we know each other's, we know where our place is and what we, how we actually make it work. I think this week we've seen um, different parts of the organisation join in into different areas and take over. Um, uh, I suppose this All Abilities Championship, we had the handover with Trevor Hurden, our Director of Tournaments this morning. Internally we've worked hard to, to get ever all the players assembled here and get everything that we needed to get done, done. Um, and now it's handing over to that expert part of the team to actually deliver the tournament. And it's been, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it hasn't been a journey for us either. Like, um, we coming into this organisation, um, you know, I think how you actually get people bought into what you're doing, inspire others to get involved. And um, look, when I first started, obviously, there was nothing in people's position descriptions in this area, like as far as running championships or doing media or anything like that. But I suppose it's about, first of all, it's a culture thing for us. It's a, you know, we know it's the right thing for the sport. We know it's obviously the, the yeah, as I said, the right thing for us to do. But, you know, we went a step further this year and it now sits on our strategic plan. So rather than a dot point in our participation plan, it's on the front page of our strategic plan that we, uh, you know, we want to see a seven percent increase of participation annually for the next three years for people with disability. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's disability, women and girls, whatever our key priorities are, we work together as a team to to achieve those. So. What is the bigger picture for Christian? This multicultural country that is famous for the diversity of its ethnic population and its first and second generation migrant communities is a perfect mirror for how golf could look down the fairway. Um, well, look, I think it's always needs, there always needs to be a goal where, I think as a sport, where if you can, if you can say that you, as a sport, you mirror society, so it's not only people with disability, which, as we talk about, is 15 to 20% of people in our population. If we were to... I suppose take a snapshot of all the golfers that have a touch point with our game. At the end of the day, if we could say 51% of our golfers are um, from, uh, I suppose, from uh, overseas or from, you know, migrated to Australia, if they're multicultural, which is what the Australian population is, where 51% 
uh, first generation or second generation migrants. Yep. Um, if 20% of our participants are people with disability, if 51%, and this is, this, will, this is going to be a long road, and this is why we have a seven-year strategic plan in this space, but if 51% of our participants were female, not male, we could actually sit back and say, we're done. Christian Hamilton is making a difference in the world of golf. The values of hard work, determination, partnerships, teamwork and family have helped shape the man and shape the way that golf in Australia is developing. PGA-trained all-abilities coaches deliver universally designed programs that everyone can participate in. People can have an experience in the game with their friends and their family. There is no need to have something disability-specific which can fracture connection to the mainstream game, a game which is consistently proving to be one of the most inclusive games of all. This was an Edgar Player story, supported by Ping, helping golfers to play their best. For more information about Edgar, please visit edgargolf.com. Stay tuned for the next Tough Love and Second Chances podcast. Ping. Play your best. <laughs>